It's Friday, June 15th, and from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is Pennsylvania Legacies. I'm Josh Rollerson. Pennsylvania's Department of Conservation and Natural Resources has an ambitious goal to ensure that every person living in the state is no more than 15 minutes away from the nearest trail. Other states have goals as well, but this one is a really significant and powerful one. Leading the way toward this goal and many others is a select group of citizens and outdoor recreation professionals who advise DCNR on trail development and use. They're responsible for representing the full range of trail users and would-be trail users across the Commonwealth. Not just cyclists and equestrians and ATV riders, but also people with disabilities and other barriers to access. And they're carrying out these duties in a way that's earned them national recognition. We'll hear from the chair of DCNR's Trail Advisory Committee about their recent award from the Coalition for Recreational Trails coming up on this episode. But first, we broke some news this week at PAC's annual Philadelphia Environmental Partnership Dinner, where DCNR Secretary Cindy Adams-Dunn was our featured speaker. She took the opportunity to unveil a sweeping plan for mitigating and adapting to the effects of climate change on Pennsylvania's public lands. It's an action-oriented plan. It lays a framework for our action at DCNR. And we're hoping uh, by getting it out there to all of our partners that we see Others jump in and be partners on uh, our actions on conservation. DCNR's Climate Resiliency Plan outlines 123 action steps addressing everything from forest health and invasive species to impacts from severe weather and natural disasters. The first phase will be a pilot project focused on public lands in south-central PA to test out adaptive management practices on the ground before deploying them statewide. Dunn says the plan encapsulates several years' worth of discussions at the agency and some of the interventions it identifies are already underway. Anything you can do planting trees is uh, great, and especially along waterways. We have a separate initiative around water, where we're focused on uh, a goal of playing 95,000 acres of riparian forest buffers across Pennsylvania. We're funding them. We've adjusted our funding. We've attracted PennVest funding. We've attracted private funding. So the great news is there are solutions that you can engage with today that will help and make a difference. The plan was developed with help from the Northern Institute of Applied Climate Science. We'll take a deeper dive in an upcoming episode of Pennsylvania Legacies when we present Secretary Dunn's full presentation. Until then, you can check out the full 57-page report on the DCNR website. Look for the link in the show notes for this episode on the PEC website. It's at peckpa.org. Pennsylvania has one of the best trail system in the nation, probably not news to anybody listening to this show, uh, but it didn't happen by magic. It's the result of a lot of hard work by groups like PEC and our partners in the Circuit Trails Coalition, the Industrial Heartland Trails Coalition, and others uh, by local and state government entities like the Department of Conservation and Natural Resources in particular, and notably DCNR's Trails Advisory Committee. I say notably because, as it turns out, we have not only some of the nation's best trails, we also have one of the nation's best trails advisory committees. Uh, That's according to the Coalition for Recreational Trails, a nationwide organization which this year recognized Pennsylvania with its 2018 Achievement Award for Outstanding State Recreational Trails Advisory Committee. 
Andy Hamilton chairs the committee and was in Washington, D.C. earlier this month, along with about a dozen committee members to receive the honor. He joins us now to talk a bit more about it. Andy, welcome. Good afternoon, Josh. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for being here. Can you start by telling me a bit about how the uh, the advisory committee is organized, what the membership consists of, and then how you interface with DCNR? Is the model you use unique or, or similar to those used by other states? Every state approaches their committee in a different way. And in Pennsylvania, we're very fortunate to have a broad-thinking Department of Conservation and Natural Resources, and we don't only hit the required different user types, such as horseback riding, off-road vehicles, motorcycles, hiking, biking, water trails, etc., but we also have people with disabilities as one of our user stakeholders, and then we have a series of at-large positions on the committee as well, which includes advocates, planners, etc., Uh, It makes for a unique and strong committee. Well, it certainly is a a big tent. It seems like that's one of the things that we sometimes hear is special sort of about Pennsylvania in the trails world broadly. Uh, We have uh, funding available via things like the Keystone Fund for for a whole range of entities, uh, nonprofits, municipalities, all the way down to the grassroots to get involved in trails work and work with and on behalf of the state. Can you talk about the role that the advisory committee plays in that sort of configuration of stakeholders? Are you able to sort of bring all these pieces together to get things done? How does it work? We do it as best as we can. We work to implement the SCORP, the outdoor plan, five-year trails plan uh, for the state that's updated every five years. And one of the goals in the SCORP, just to let you know, is to have a trail within 15 minutes of every citizen of the state. It's a worthy and lofty goal. Our group has four different uh, subcommittees working from education and planning and outreach to events, trail month, trail of the year, etc. One of the great things that the committee also does is help the regional advisors and central office to understand and uh, look at, not vote on, but look at the applications for funding that come in. As a matter of fact, this September is the very first annual trail month for Pennsylvania. We're looking to have events of all sorts on trails, uh, including hiking, biking, bird watching, paleontology, geology, plant air painting, photography, getting people out on the trails. There are over 11,000 miles of trails in Pennsylvania, and we want to see every one of them touched this September for the first annual trail month for the state. You mentioned that one thing that's kind of unique about your Trails Advisory Committee is that there's a seat at the table for an advocate for people with disabilities, and that's actually one of the things that the Recreational Trails, sorry, the Coalition for Recreational Trails identified as, as something they really wanted to highlight and, and recognize. Can you talk about your, the, you know, collectively and DCNR's sort of philosophy on inclusion and diversity and how those uh, values make you more effective in the work you do? Well, first off, those are very important values for the state and beyond for the nation, as a matter of fact. We evaluate every grant 
for its inclusiveness. We, as you know, have federal guidelines for trails. You get out in the middle of the, the woods and the trails aren't going to be ADA accessible, but the committee and staff does look at every application to make sure that they are inclusive. Trails by their nature can be somewhat difficult for all abilities to use, but in certain areas uh, and many areas, we make sure that they are. Uh, Talking about this goal of having a trail within 15 minutes of everybody in Pennsylvania, how unusual is that kind of in the national context? Are other states doing anything that ambitious, anything comparable? And what's the status? Oh, that's a big question. The status, uh, we keep moving toward that goal. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot to be done. Having a very lofty goal allows you to do strong work that will get toward that goal. In the future, we may have a moment when we do get to a trail within 15 minutes of every person. That is something that I look forward to seeing uh, if I'm still alive. And uh, other states have goals as well, but this one is a really significant and powerful one. Counties are leading the states in this regard in particular Montgomery County has the same goal and they're working to achieve that as well. So, you know, the state is very diverse as far as the types and locations and topographies. I just rode my bicycle across Pennsylvania and I can tell you that there's, you know, vast areas where there's not much population and sometimes there's a trail, sometimes there's a lovely back road. The state has a wealth of opportunity for people to go and explore all the way across the state, north, south, east, and west. Uh, you also talked about the, the Trail of the Year program a little bit, I think. What's uh, the purpose of that, that program? What has the response been like so far? I think it's been out for around for a couple of years. That's right. And I chair the subcommittee that works on that. So the Trail of the Year is an excellent um, uh, opportunity for organizations who run trails to be recognized at the state level. It's one where there is a cash award that goes with it of $10,000 that will support the organization's efforts to promote their trail and and maintain their trail. This year, the trail is the Forbidden Drive. The trail of the year is the Forbidden Drive in Fairmount, Park in Philadelphia, all the good work that the Friends of the Wissahickon, along with the Department of Parks and Recreation in the city of Philadelphia, they've all been phenomenal in bringing the quality of that trail up and the green infrastructure associated with the stormwaters and all the important aspects of keeping the, the water clean in the Wissahickon have been phenomenal. And that's being celebrated on the 21st of of June with the award ceremony. So the trail of the year is something where any size trail can win. And we've had very long trails win. We've had, you know, four mile long trails win. Uh, It's about the, the quality of the organization's efforts and volunteerism and activism, which is really paramount in the application and decision process. 
I mean, you're talking about the Wissahickon. One of the things that they have told me in speaking with the Wissahickon folks is that getting people to spend time outdoors and to identify with the landscape they inhabit is sometimes a way into making them be more mindful or more engaged in issues relating to watershed health, the kind of stuff that might be sort of out of sight, out of mind otherwise. But when you're used to spending time in Fairmount Park, if you're, you know, if you're using the trails, it means something maybe a little bit different to you. And I realize that's maybe a bit outside of your portfolio, but is that, is that part of how you think about the work? Is that an important goal for the committee? You know, it, it really is a very important aspect of, of, getting people outside so that they can understand. My background is I'm a landscape architect and have done quite a bit of design work to complement and, and maintain the quality of, of the natural environment. Uh, when people are exposed to it and when there's specifically good interpretive signage to make people aware of what they're looking at uh, on projects, uh, that's one of the key things to creating an awareness and under, have, having people understand the importance of, of taking care of the environment. Pennsylvania, you know, we have all of these great trail systems. And I think for a lot of us, when we think of trails, we're thinking about bikes. Maybe we're thinking about uh, walking or running. But as you noted, there's a whole range of uses that are really thriving in our state. You know, equestrian uses and motorized trails in particular are a big one. Can you talk a bit about uh, how you think about those other sorts of applications and also, you know, the role that things like motorized trails can play economically in Pennsylvania? Absolutely. Every type of trail is important to the state. Every user group has their own goal. Uh, when they go out to to go on a trail, and you know whether you're biking or hiking or photographing or painting or picnicking, um, those are those are things that you know many people think of. But another very important aspect of trails in general are the motorized trails. Um, the snowmobile trails in the wintertime add massive potential and amounts of dollars to local economies all throughout the state where there are trails open for snowmobiles. In the um, other three months of the year, there are motorized recreational trails in certain locations within the state. Uh, there's about to be a very large one opening in the Reading Anthracite area uh, coming in the next few years. Uh, it's going to be one where you will be able to take a motorized ATV or off-road vehicle, motorcycle, and actually tour and camp. And the size of this will be so large that it will take a few nights of camping to experience the entire uh, breadth of the system of trails that will be built. That will connect many towns together and create an opportunity in each of those towns to have bed and breakfast, to provide food, drink, gas stations, repairs, a host of different um, other secondary retail opportunities as well. So while many or maybe most people think of trails as 
non-motorized and quiet locations to contemplate or exercise or to uh, as as a form of transportation. Um, there are other uses and other trail types where the state realizes that they're all important. So I mean, you wear a lot of hats in addition to, to this important work with DCNR. You're involved in the DNL uh, National Heritage Corridor. I know you works with Bucks County and uh, Delaware Greenways. And then maybe the most, the most high-profile one here in our end of the state, at least, is the September 11th National Memorial Trail, which is a really big deal in Pennsylvania, Western PA especially. Can you, you talk a little bit about uh, some of that other work you do and where it intersects with the uh, advisory committee work for DCNR? Sure. My history is I'm a cyclist. So uh, when I get involved with trails, I think of trails for, for bicycling maybe more than other things. Uh, personally, uh, but uh, I obviously uh, address all different types of trails. And the one thing that I'm very focused on now is the September 11th National Memorial Trail. And that is a 1,300-mile trail that connects the memorials in the Pentagon and Shanksville, Pennsylvania, at Flight 93, and New York City at, at the National Memorial and back to the Pentagon. It's a huge undertaking. We connect a series of existing trails and existing trail goals as well. In other words, there are planned trails, such as the Mainline Canal, that have pieces completed but need to extend those pieces and link other pieces together. So we assist organizations to uh, accomplish their goals, which accomplishes our goals as well, to create a non-motorized way across the entire state from the Great Allegheny Passage all the way to the Delaware Water Gap. That's in Pennsylvania. And we use the Great Allegheny Passage and the CNO Canal from the Washington, D.C. area up toward Pittsburgh. The trail connects Pittsburgh down to Garrett along the Great Allegheny Passage. And in that location, we succeeded in having CSX donate about eight miles of -of right-of-way to create a trail between Garrett and Berlin, Pennsylvania, which is a lovely town with uh, the history of the Whiskey Rebellion, one of the key points of interest in the town. And then a lovely back road route from there will connect the Great Allegheny Passage to the National Flight 93 Memorial. So you're going to be uh, cycling out of the, the chairmanship at the end of this year, I believe. What do, you, what do you hope will be kind of the legacy of your time, and what do you see the next phase of the advisory group's work being? We've started quite a few things and efforts in the subcommittees. Uh, There have been some great successes. Uh, We're kicking off the trail month in September, this September. And the committee just wants to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And in the end of my time there, I'll stand off the committee, but I will continue to support subcommittees efforts. The DCNR Trail Committee has in the past received applications from some exceptional candidates. 
and I hope that they'll all reapply with space being made by putting in term limits, which I did two years ago, to create space in the future, which is starting in 2019, for other people to come on to the committee. So I would hope to see the committee grow in strength and quality as any person would hope efforts that they've been doing would have occurred to them. Well, congratulations on the honor, and thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, Andy Hamilton, chair of the uh, DCNR Trail Advisory Committee, which recently was honored as Outstanding State Regional Trails Advisory Committee by the Coalition for Recreational Trails. Again, Andy, thanks so much for your time. Excellent. Thank you, Josh. Have a great day. And that's it for this episode of Pennsylvania Legacies. You can find past episodes on our website, peckpa.org slash audio. The full back catalog of the podcast is available there. Of course, you can also subscribe in Apple Podcasts. Find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play, or anywhere else you find podcasts. Much more on Peck's work across the state in trails and recreation, watersheds, energy and climate, and more at the Peck website. Again, it's pecpa.org. On Twitter, we're at PECPA, and we're on Facebook as well. We'll have another episode in two weeks. Until then, for the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Rollerson. Thanks for listening.